You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Random Fit with myself, Wendy Batts, and friend and co-host, Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? I'm awesome, Wendy. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? You're looking good. Oh, I am I am good. I am As good. Yeah. I think today we're going to get a little personal um, because I know Ken and I were actually on the phone. We we have meetings and we talk a lot about what we're going to discuss on the, the podcast. We look at your feedback and the comments that you had. And there was actually a question that came in asking where we started and then was it exactly, did we have this path all along from where we started out of school to where we are now? So today we're going to talk about the second act, not just personally, but then also about some of these amazing athletes that we grew up with and kind of what they're doing now as well. So Ken, why don't you kick us off? When you were in college, <laughs> what, did, what was your major, your concentration? And oh, man. where did it take a turn if it did? Uh, it, uh, man, I was I was your typical, I guess, statistically the average um, college student changes majors five times. And <laughs> I was no different from the, from the vantage point that when I went into college, I was doing what my friends were doing. They, you know, computer science, computer information systems, uh, electrical engineering, industrial engineer, my best friends, that's what they're doing, one uh, nursing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go that same route. I, Wendy, believe it or not, I was I was declared as a engineer, mechanical <laughs> engineer. But what happened was I took calculus and <laughs> I thought I did it, right? I, I passed the class. I, I got what I got. But there was no way I thought to myself, there was no way I am doing this for the rest of my life. I mean, you can't judge a whole industry based on one class, but I thought math is not it for me. I mean, I, I did it. I got good grades, but I just could not see myself doing that. But then when I was transferring from the junior college, you know, I was looking into like a lot of us. And I think you yourself mentioned physical therapy was going to be in your future. But then when I transferred to Cal Poly Pomona, I was declared as a nutrition major. But once I got in, I was looking around, you know, you know, you remember the little course catalogs where they show oh, yeah. like all, again, you had a book, you wasn't, there was no internet looking at, okay, well, what you're scrolling. Um, but then I found exercise science and the description got me right. Learn about exercise, helping people. You're in the rehabilitative environment, helping people get healthier, um, which brought me to corporate wellness. And, you know, from there, evolved into personal training, into what I do now, which is working with people looking for, okay, how do you, how do you um, accommodate low back issues, minor aches and pains that you can address yourselves, um, reaching your best self when it comes to whatever recreational or competitive sport that you're doing, or even some of the higher level athletes that I occasionally have a chance to work with these days. So I think my 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 career took a turn for the better as I went from, you know, music <laughs> nursing, and then music. nursing, nutrition, exercise science, and eventually, you know, a master's degree in, you know, injury prevention. So, yeah. That that it meandered, and I did a lot of things within within those within those confines. But um, definitely not. If you asked me thirty years ago if I'd be doing today, 
um, what I'm doing now, that'd be like, no way. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, I, I can't yeah. say that I changed that many times. Um, I went to school, <laughs> for those of you guys that don't know me, I went to school to be an anesthesiologist. I thought that, you know what, this is going to be an easy way for me to make a lot of money. And then I started getting and diving deeper into the course catalog like yourself and realized, man, the classes that I have to take and the grades that I have to get in order to go further into my schooling and then looking at the student loans, I was like, OK, and then the liability insurance that I was going to have to front each and every year. And then the responsibility of making sure I kept every person alive, that was also super stressful. But the bigger kicker was someone asked in our very first class, when you think of what you're going into for your concentration and what you really want to specialize in, can you see yourself doing this? And if so, how happy are you on the day to day? And I started thinking to myself, you know what? I love to talk to people. I'm very social. Those of you guys that know me, I'm a very big extrovert. I love people. I love being around people. I love conversation. And I'm going to be putting people to sleep and praying that I can wake them up. I'm like, okay, this is totally not the direction I want to go. So then I changed to physical therapy. That's what I did my undergrad in and thought for sure I'm going to make people move better, feel better, perform better. That's exactly what I want to do. Schooling seemed like, okay, I have to get good grades. I can do that. I transferred from the University of Tennessee to Arizona State because they had a great exercise science, um, you know, department. And um, and then, yeah. And then as soon as I graduated, again, thinking this is my next route, I went to um, work in a physical therapy clinic and ended up meeting my mentor who talked me out of going to physical therapy school. And then that's actually when we started to do the OPT model before it was implemented into NASM. And he's like, stick with me. You don't have to go back to school. I can help you do what you want to do in a different aspect. And that's where, you know, it led me into working with professional athletes and pro teams and traveling in different sports and learning about injury prevention and what to do after someone came out of surgery. It was phenomenal. But if you asked me when I was younger or right when I started school, is this where you're going to end up where I am today? Same answer. Absolutely. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> Especially being on too right <laughs> yeah and, and you know it's funny you bring up that 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 aspect of okay physical therapy and you were talked out of becoming a physical therapist by and a physical therapist mind you by a by a physical therapist now i when i worked in a physical therapy clinic i worked with a, a pt aide or pt assistant uh joe and you know certified strength conditioning coach and he was he was going that route of applying, 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 applying to different PT schools after no success for a while. Then we started talking about future career and then he loved what he was doing. You know, we worked alongside of each other, working with people and corrective exercise and that post rehab environment because we worked with physical therapists. But then we realized, or he realized, just like you, Wendy, it's like, you can help people. You can definitely help people. You, you get the base amount of information you need to see what someone needs to do to move better. And then not saying you're a physical therapist, but it helps people just the same. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he now has his own training facility. He emphasizes uh, uh, working with golfers, right? But he's, he still incorporates... The NASM OPT model. He has that post rehabilitative segment of his of his clientele, but overall, 
you know, eventually this, the, the quick click of it all was that he eventually got accepted into PT school, but then was in a position that you know, at that point to, to turn it down because he was making good money. He was helping people and he was happy or he is happy doing what he's doing now, having his own facility, training how he wants to train and still getting people to do what they want. So again, he's an example also of somebody who went to San Diego State, studied there through their exercise science program, was directing himself towards physical therapy, but found another way of helping people with what he's learned over the years. So, oh yeah. Well, so for yeah. me, I actually applied to school. I had already gotten in and I had to wait the next semester to start just based on when the classes started. And they right. were like, Hey, in the interim, you should try to make sure you want to do this because the amount of money it cost me to go to school, I was not going to make after graduating, I would actually make under what my, my student loans were going to be at that time, because it was a right. very saturated field. And right. that's that was one of the reasons why I got talked out of it. But I think that kind of brings us into some of the athletes that we looked at. Um, if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to Ken Miller and myself on Random Fit, we did a unbelievable podcast with a professional um, football player. His name is Demarcus Ware. And Demarcus came on and he was talking a lot about you know, life after football. And, you know, he was actually inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2023. So this year and, you know, had an amazing football career. And one of the things that I found fascinating was he ended up marrying a fitness trainer. And that's what kind of led him down the path of what am I going to do to help others stay healthy, stay physically fit and so, you know, and I think it was 2017, I can't remember what he said, but um, he opened a basically a gym in his garage and saw that he had a lot of positive feedback. Again, when you're DeMarcus Ware, you can have a lot of people that want to hang out with you to do right. workouts. Plus the workouts that he were he was doing were also workouts that they did when he was playing football that some of his other colleagues and, and um, professional athletes were doing with their different teams. And so it became a huge success where then he opened his own facility, but then he wanted to take it further and has an app and it's called Driven to Win. And that app is now, you know, available for people. And it's all about wanting to think life after what you're doing next. He's like, I never thought I would be here working kind of as a personal trainer. I mean, he has his NASM sort of or, uh, certification. And, you know, yeah. that was one of the biggest things that, of course, made me happy. But now he's actually taking it and working with these younger people that want to go into football. He knows what it takes. And, you know, you look at someone like that and when you talk to him, he's like, I never thought that I would be doing this now, but I can't imagine doing anything else. Right. And that, that just makes you realize that when you hear the phrase, be careful what you get good at, he's a perfect example because he wasn't just good at football. He was good at working with people. He was good at staying in shape, taking care of his body. So if you remember, Wendy, when we had him on, I mean, he looked like he could get back so on the play. field. Yeah. He, he looked like he can get back on the field that next day. And then when you watch the videos, you know, his instructor, instructional videos, as I was looking him up, he still moves like he could, right? Yeah. So from that vantage point, be careful what you get good at, because that's that might be a road that you wind up going down. And, and DeMarcus, where great example. And again, congratulations to him on his induction to the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. So that's mm -hmm. and that's no easy feat. Uh, but 
you know, when you play for the Cowboys and you did some of the amazing things that he did and heard his name by the announcers as often as you did, you know, well-deserved. Absolutely. And that brings us to another person that we also had on Random Fit. So if you guys are new to Random Fit, we've had some great, like incredible uh, episodes <laughs> and podcasts and had some amazing people join us. But one of my favorite people of all time was Grant Hill. And Grant did join us in one of our earlier episodes. And because of him, we actually won a Markham Award because his story is something that, again, I hold very true and near and dear to my heart because of of. of knowing him as long as I have and his wife, Tamia, who is also, you know, she's a unbelievable singer and has a ton of CDs out and, and earned her own um, recognition through multiple uh, awards. But, you know, when you look at someone like Grant, you know, Grant was injured very early in life in his career and people told him that he was never going to be able to play or he would not be as good as he, he um, could have been because of the injuries that he had. And he is an author, if you guys get a chance, and again, we don't get anything for any of this, but he has an autobiography out that is incredible. It's called Game. And he talks about playing for different teams and how when he played for the Phoenix Suns, that particular, like the way that these guys um, worked with him, the athletic trainers, they did an overhead squad assessment. They really cared about his movement pattern and how that changed the way that he moved because they started implementing true corrective exercise. They stopped doing all these power lifts and actually worked on his body to get him playing. And he played guys until he was 40. And that was his goal is he's like, I'd love to be able to play until I'm 40. And we kept him healthy enough for him to do that. And so when you think about him, and what all the accolades that he's received as a player, it's one thing listening to him as a dad and now being the dad of, you know, his daughter is in mixed martial arts and doing some incredible things. His other daughter plays soccer and he's out there with the recorder. He's the one that's recording the games and giving it to the parents. But you look at him, you know, when he's playing, he, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. And that was a big story that, that we, we touched upon, didn't know what he was going to do after basketball because basketball was what he knew. And his dad was a, you know, football player, but everyone thought he would play football, but he's lanky and tall. He's better at basketball. So, you know, when he committed to actually doing that, you know, now you look at him, he's an analyst for uh, Turner um, sports. So, you know, you guys will see him all the time commentating. He does the CBS commentation or commentating um, for again, basketball. He is a co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks. And then recently, just, I think um, just a couple months ago, him and his wife are now co-owners of a major league um, soccer. And then they're also a part of what was it? The NWSL soccer club as well. So, you know, you're looking at these people and what they're able to do after the fact and, you know, it's like, okay, what do I do next? Most people just do broadcasting because I know the sport, but he's taking yeah. it to a whole nother level and now being a part of multiple different teams. I, I find it fascinating. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was definitely a great um, guest uh, for that episode when we had him on. So for those of you watching us now here on Random Fit, we're talking about second acts careers after a career. So you're listening to both Wendy Batts and I, Ken Miller, as we reminisce about our <laughs> conversation about Grant Hill. And, and the, the important thing about him is that, you know, when we talked about exercise and, and you know, again, you, you mentioned that he was beat up from the get-go, right? So he spent, you know, a lot of his career 
you know, having to deal with certain issues that you have uh, helped him with. And the funniest part uh, that, as I recollect, is his, <laughs> his, his least favorite exercise, right? Oh, yes. So the, <laughs> was it the uh, sideline leg raise? Yep. Something what that seems very basic, but basically yeah. we would have him, you know, a few inches away from the wall. We would use a big physio ball so he couldn't cheat because Grant would want to cheat. And he even says openly on our podcast that when I would turn my back or somebody else would turn their back, he would be on number three, but he'd be like nine, 10. And all we were doing is having him go into hip extension. So he had to push his heel back into the ball without ball keeping his foot parallel to the floor and just lifting the ball up and down. And so it's a really good exercise for the hip. He was just weaker in the hips and we wanted to make sure we kept him healthy. So we did a lot of these corrective exercises and that was by far, by far his hardest one, but the one that he hated the most. And so guess what? We did it all the time because usually if you hate it, you need it. So, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course you would have him do that. But talking yeah. about, re yeah, talking about rehab exercises, corrective exercise, let's talk about John Fierro, uh, your, mm -hmm. your friend uh, from, from Phoenix. Yeah. So John Fierro, he was an athletic trainer and, you know, he went into school as an athletic trainer. He graduated an, as an athletic trainer and we also had him on the show. And, you know, the thing is, is John was never about being the high profile athletic trainer. However, his ability to work with athletes and keeping them healthy listening to his stories. I mean, he played or he was the head athletic trainer for the Phillies for 11 years. Then he went over to the Cubs for 11 years. So, I mean, that's 22 years just in baseball. And then he, you know, was asked to be the trainer for the um, Arizona Coyotes. So, you know, hockey. And that's the first time I got the chance to meet some of these people that I idolized because they were like super close to this guy. And, you know, to him, it was nothing to me. I'm like, wow, you know, how do you keep these people going for as long as they have? And again, he was a big part of NASM, like believed in our concepts and the methodologies and, and the way that we went through the step by step process. But, you know, you look at someone like that that was stuck in baseball for many years. He, he was away from home a lot. There's a lot of sacrifices you have to make in order to be good at it and to be have the longevity in that particular career. But then after the fact, to be asked to be the head athletic trainer for the Olympics for multiple years in baseball. I mean, the yeah. honors that this guy has had, very humble. When you listen to him, he's just very kind of low key. But when you're looking at, you know, even listening to some of these inductions, um, you know, speeches that some of these baseball players have gotten, John's name is mentioned multiple times because he helped them throughout their career. So while he's not really the second act, it was like taking what he really felt passionate about and taking it to an extremely high level. I thought listening to him, you know, like I said, he's very kind of, you know, just matter of fact, this is how it was. But he's, you know, that was one that I was like, you know what, I've known this guy, we call him Papa Smurf, that's his nickname. And uh, he taught me so much in my career. And again, when I chose not to do the physical therapy route, I owe a lot of what I know to John, because he was always in that same facility with us when he was not traveling or they were on off season. So somebody that helped build my career for sure. Yeah. And with athletic trainers, they are the unsung heroes. And I'm, I'm, I know you'll agree with this one, Monday. They are the unsung heroes when it comes to professional sports. Because you just brought up Grant Hill and lasting 
till in in that sport in the NBA until you're 40. <laughs> try doing that without the help of an athletic trainer. And we're talking more than just somebody who gets a bag of ice or tapes up your wrist or your ankle. We're talking about that person that when you have surgery, when you have been injured, they are a part of the rehab process. They are holding you accountable. They are there in the training room waiting for the athletes before they come in. And they are the last people to leave when practice is done, when the games are done. And oftentimes, if you have to go to a field, if you have to go to a football field, baseball field, they have to, they're responsible for bringing that equipment out there and setting things up so that when the players are ready to practice and play, uh, you know, everything is set up and ready to go. So when we talk to John Fiera, if watch that episode, because when he comes on screen, he has that whole wall <laughs> behind him full of base, signed baseballs from all the athletes. Um, and I'll even say that he's probably given many of them two or three plus years that they oh, yeah. wouldn't have had without his help at yeah. least at mm -hmm. least so to bring up an athletic trainer I, you know you and i wendy when we talked about this had had to come up because a lot of the athletes that we're, we're bringing up or that we're talking about today they wouldn't have been able to perform as high at high of a level as they were able to to during their career to get these accolades and to make the millions of dollars but also the duration of their career. If you give somebody another year or two, that's another contract. And yeah. these athletic trainers, they 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 give their, I mean, literally their lives <laughs> to, uh, I, as a strength coach, I had a long day, but it was never as long as the athletic trainers. Yeah. So, well, so, you know, yeah. that one that we did not have on our podcast, but we really yeah. one day absolutely should would be the person that I probably idolized <laughs> the most. And people are like, oh, you know, and, and as a female, when you have like, you know, an athlete that you really do respect and admire, you've got to think deep because somebody which I get this all the time. Well, why? And some people will say, oh, because he's very good looking and he's great on the eyes. This is absolutely not the case. Like, I don't look at this person like, oh my goodness, you know, I look at him of what he was able to do. And of course, me being from Nashville and me loving the University of Tennessee and Bleeding Orange, which yes, I'm saying this on a podcast, so you guys should feel sorry for me at times. Um, but it's Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning was a quarterback. He never won the Heisman. You know, but then when he was he was picked up by the Colts, he played multiple, multiple seasons with the Colts, won a Super Bowl. Then he got you know traded over to the Broncos, won another Super Bowl on his last year uh, playing. And, you know, this is a guy, too, that got beat up a lot. He had a really bad neck injury. Um, yeah. I actually know the person that did his rehab and I mean, he was taking it to a whole nother level because of the impact over time and time. But you look at someone like that who is in football, he had the choice to either go into the draft early and Peyton chose to stay and actually get his diploma because he's like, I need to think about what's after football. And I think that's something that I really respected from the start. Yes, he was good, but he actually stayed in school. And then now when you're looking at him, he has the nickname 
the sheriff, if you guys don't know that, everyone automatically assumed he was going to go into politics. And because he had such a platform, he went completely different route. So now he did, um, he owns Omaha Productions. So if you guys, you know, like Peyton's Places, if you guys haven't seen it, so phenomenal. The first episode, <laughs> they go through the history of the NFL. So I learned so much yeah. watching the differences between the helmets, the balls, the players, the positions, and all, all the things football. But now he's actually going back starting this fall and he's going to be a professor at the university in communications. And yes, you'll see him all the time on, on Monday night football with his brother. And they do, they have shows and he's been on a ton of commercials and he does a lot of different things, but you look at someone like that where it's like, okay, he's giving back to that university, he gives back a lot financially, but now he's giving his time to go and help these, these people that are going to be able to have him as a professor and I think that is something that, whole, again, brings it back to education, which obviously, Ken, you and I are super passionate about. And what, all I can think about with, with Peyton Manning is Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> Hence so. the Omaha production. <laughs> I think that was given a name before he even decided that was what it was yeah. going to be, just because yeah. that's what everyone relates, you know. He should he should have something in Omaha Steaks. <laughs> well, if you've ever have you ever flown through Nebraska? Oh yes. Uh, oh yes. Okay, at the at the airport, <laughs> they they'll have hoodies and t-shirts that I'll just say Omaha. Oh, I, I I think that's more about. What? I think that's more about Omaha than it is about Pete Manning. However, I can that's, see that's all that was. Yeah, that's all that but, was you know, we think head, about yeah. him, too, as a professor, but he's also and I didn't I when I started digging deeper into this, did you know that he's also a co-owner of the Memphis Grizzlies? I did not know that. So there you go. There's your there's your did you know yeah, fact um, it. that it's not football. It's actually basketball. Right. Uh, but. Well, they're good. <laughs> if you can, good. why not? Right. If you can, why not? <laughs> I mean, Michael Jordan's got his team and. You know, as yeah. you mentioned with with Grant Hill and the Hawks, you yeah. got to do that. You got to do. It's got to keep your, you know, got to keep your foot in the in the water when it comes to something competitive. Um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about someone other than our previous guest. But as we looked at this, Wendy, one name that came up as far as people that did something different with their lives is uh, Myron Roll. And mm -hmm. he's, yeah, football player, played in the NFL and left. By uh, the Titans, if anyone cares. He was Titans, by the Tennessee Titans. By the <laughs> Tennessee Titans. Uh, went on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe. And when he was cut, if you, if you watch, uh, if, you, if you read the New York Times article on him and when he was interviewed, when he was cut, he, you know, he, he, didn't know why right because he was better than you know i guess you could look at him as being better than the person that was taking his spot on the team but the 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 coach and the gm said listen this guy's good enough he's good he's no myron roll but he needs he needs the position more than he does and they also followed that that up with saying that there is something else that Myron was meant to do. You know, they saw in him already that he could be somebody could be president of the U.S. He had other bigger things waiting for him after football. 
So that's that's a story as it read in the New York Times. But as you as you read about him, he left, went on to medical school, and now a, a neurosurgeon at Harvard. So so here's a guy played in the played in college at Florida State, went on to Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and then into into medicine to where now he's somebody somebody who was there to take you out on the football field is now there to go into your you know basically look into your brain and see what they can do to get you get you better and that's what he's doing with his life after professional sports so i i thought out of all of these a lot of great stories if you keep going i mean we could talk hours for on what professional athletes have done with their lives after they've retired and this one was the one where it's like, wow, that's that's pretty extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we you know, we've seen and looking at all of the people that that we I mean, I, the list that Ken and I pulled was just like page after page that there are so many athletes that are doing so, so many positive things afterwards. I mean, we had Alan Page. He is now went to law school. He is an associate justice. Um, what is it? Uh, justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court. You've got someone like Jordy Nelson. Again, he played for the NFL and now he's doing um, he's a farmer and he farms wheat and cattle. So it's like, OK, thank you, farmer. So yeah. thank you, Jordy Nelson. But the one other one that I I mean, I am going to say he's Schuler again, Tennessee quarterback. He played for the uh, Washington Redskins at the time. I know they have a different name now, but, you know, he's, in, you know, uh, part of served in Congress. But one of the ones, you know, as a female, I found um, to be amazing was uh, Angela Ruggiero. And she graduated. I mean, she has her MBA. She went to Harvard. She then got her, what was it, her um, MED uh, from University of Minnesota. Then now she um, received her master's from Minnesota. She's a four-time Olympia or Olympian in hockey. She... Yeah. I mean, does like you're looking at all this stuff that she does and it's like, OK, she was the number she played 256 games in a Team USA uniform, which is the most anyone has ever done it in our history. And so you're looking at all these accolades that she did as a hockey player. And then now you look at what she's doing. Um, she's the co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab, um, where this is like helping sports brands to identify their trends and their products and everything. She is the hockey operation advisor for the New York Rangers. I mean, she was inducted as well. I mean, she, you're looking at where she went or where she started as a hockey player. And then now she's gone all the way to the extremes of, you know, being able to do this with all the education. And I don't know about you guys, but getting an MBA from Harvard, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, like that's, that's, that's a lot. And then continuing your education to get further and further degrees and then being able just to open up and and help everybody else, too. And then now working with the Rangers. I mean, that's not a like just a nobody hockey team, by the way. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you could talk about Bill Bradley, who went into uh, government as a U.S. senator. Um, Tom Glavin, who I grew yeah. up watching. Yeah. Um, you know, Atlanta Braves. Who's now, as as we saw, Wendy, you know, he founded, co-founded a wine business and works as an analyst. So again, a lot of these athletes will go into the analyst part, right? You'll see them; they're announcing uh, Greg Olson. He's he's announcing uh, football on Sundays now. So natural 
place to go because they spent so many years doing it between college and the professionals. But, you know, Wendy, as you and I were talking about this, the, the, the topic came up because it's like, I wonder what that guy's doing now, right? Yeah. Or Where are they now? <laughs> yeah, where are they now? And then you think, okay, well, outside of being an analyst or commenting or writing maybe, what else do professional athletes do when it's time to hang up the cleats? And to find out that they're going into neurosurgery, they're opening businesses, they're playing roles, vital roles in government or judges in federal court. Um, they're having impact on laws and policies as well as opening up businesses that you know, will help other people achieve, hopefully achieve the same things that they're doing or just give them the opportunity. So I think that, you know, through this podcast, through through Random Fit, we're not just all about fitness and sports, but there is there is life after sports and there's life beyond sports. So from that vantage point, Wendy, I'm glad we visited this. But if you have a favorite athlete that you grew up with watching, I encourage you Look them up, Google them, and see what they're doing now. Because chances are they will have opened a business, they will have started. They're maybe most likely helping people. Maybe coaching uh, winds up being a big thing. So, thanks, Wendy, for uh, being a part of this one. This was this was a fun episode. <laughs> Yeah. And thanks for you guys reaching out to us and asking us these questions, because that's kind of what triggers some of these episodes. And then, of course, then we kind of dive deeper and take it to probably way deeper than than the, yeah. the surface questions of like, yeah. did you always want to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So rabbit holes. We dive into a lot of rabbit holes around here. <laughs> so thanks for taking us on this ride <laughs> when it comes to going down this rabbit hole of second acts. So for those of you listening to us here on Random Fit, thank you. Like, follow, subscribe, share, download, and rate us if you can. But more importantly, comment. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and we'll do what we can to get that topic subject on air for you on Random Fit. So everybody, until next time, take care and be well.